Hello. Well, I'm glad you're happy to hear from me. <laughs> You've heard from me a lot lately. All right, sorry. I don't do change very well. Hold on. Okay. Um, I, I plan to use a whiteboard today. Uh, it worked well in my head, so let's see how we go. Today's going to be, I'm just going to jump straight in because I want to make sure I get it all out. Today's going to be, so this is week four, um, and the title of today is How to Process Pain. Yes. <laughs> it's actually really good timing because last week we, um, you know, Rachel went, uh, she was talking about parenting and that obviously is connected to, you know, parent wounds as well. So I think it's really good timing. Um, it's, so it's going to be, there, there are going to be a lot of practical components today, hence the whiteboard. Okay. All right. All right. I, you would not believe how many post-it notes that, okay. You know what they say? This is literally what my post-it notes say. Read what you've written. <laughs> That's... I can't tell you how many of them say, just read what you've written down. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're talking about how to process pain today. And it's not, just, it's not so much, you know, what you're expecting. I don't know what you're expecting, but I'm just going to say that. Uh, but we need to understand pain in order to process it because pr- processing is, is quite involved. So I'm going to be unpacking um, the what, the how. There will be a lot of how-tos, hence the whiteboard. So this whole conversation is going to be understanding what pain actually is so that we can process it. All right. Now, wait, now I have to get rid of two post-it notes. Just give me a second. There'll be a lot of that happening. Okay. Now, pain sounds pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory, but... For purposes of this conversation, pain is the residue that our heart is left with after we've suffered something, okay? That's not the only definition of pain. This is, for purposes of this conversation, that's what I'm working around. So pain is the residue that the heart is left with or is, has been impacted, the, 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 the evidence of the impact of what it's been exposed to or suffered. Now, pain actually forms your heart's testimony, or report. So your heart forms testimony, report. Whether you're aware of it or not, remember we talked about the heart being the subconscious mind? So whatever is written on your heart in the way of its own testimony, its own report, its truth, pain is a major contributing factor to the testimony that is written on the heart. Okay. I'm going to do what I did last time, that the centre of the conversation is how to process the pain, but we're going to go over here, then come back, over here, then come back. Okay, so pain is the report or the testimony, or uh, sorry, that forms the report or the testimony on the heart. Now, that pain or that report or that testimony produces symptoms. And the symptoms are the, are the things that you are, you know, are the things that you're left with, the things that manifest in your world. Now, that's the same for physical pain as well. So you, you incur some sort of injury and the pain then produces symptoms, or the pain is also a symptom, okay? So it's the same thing. So think of emotional pain like physical pain. But because this is a series on the inner world, we're going to be talking about emotional pain only. Now, why is this such an important conversation? Why did we even include it for the series? Because if pain contributes to the report of the heart, and the heart is the subconscious mind, 
and you were governed by the subconscious realm, well, then that's going to affect your ability to self-govern. Okay, so what is written on the heart is very important in the conversation of self-governance because what is written on the heart is your constitution. It's, what, it's, it's your programming. It's, it's how, you, how you do what you do, why you do what you do. Okay. Um, and for anyone who wasn't here on week one, I'm just going to qualify that in one sentence. Proverbs 23, 27 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not, not as we think in our mind, as a man thinks in his heart. And I'm not going to go over false responsibility again, but um, if you haven't already listened to week two where I unpacked, you know, slowing down the matrix, like what, how, we, how we take on false responsibility, that, is, um, that will help give context to what I'm talking about today. So I'm not going to go over it, but just really quickly, I did say in that session, I said that when we suffer things like trauma, betrayals, you know, grief, loss, all of those things, there is potential in that moment where we take on false responsibility and that's what forms a part of the report on the heart. Sorry, it's a little bit repetitive, but I just want to make sure that, because these are the, the um, you know, the main things. All right. Now, read. Yes, I will read. Okay. So the reason why... Now, this is the foundation for today's conversation. The reason why understanding that, understanding how the heart reports and keeps a testimony that you may may not be aware of because it's in the subconscious realm, the reason why that is important is this. Because if the pain or the wounding is enmeshed with things that aren't our responsibility... It'll make it very difficult. We are not empowered to then process something unto fulfillment, unto resolution. I'll say that again. When, you are, when, when your heart is carrying pain and it's formed part of the report, part of the testimony, if in part of that pain you are carrying false responsibility around that pain, it'll be very difficult for you to then process that pain healthily, to process that unto resolve because you are not empowered to shift things that aren't your responsibility, right? Okay, so you cannot disarm or decommission something that is connected to an external power source. So remember we talked about if something, if we've taken false responsibility for something that it's not, we're not empowered to shift, it's connected to something else, right? So you can't disarm or decommission something that is connected to a power source that you don't have access to. So we have to understand, you know, how that all works. And I'm, I'm going to be, um, actually, you can probably bring that up um, now, please, and I'll get to that in a minute. Thank you. So if I had to just put everything that I just said in a nutshell, if it's still a little bit confusing, everything that I just said in a nutshell, it would be this. We can only process that which is real and accessible to our hearts. You can, you're only empowered to shift that which is real and, and real to your heart and accessible to your heart. Okay. So, how do you identify what is the real part of pain? Is everyone following? Is everyone? Yep. Okay. How do we uh, identify what is the real part of pain? I'm going to take you through an exercise. Um, I'm going to be going, I'm going to be landing on, a, I'm literally going to be giving you a list of how-tos that I have um, found to be very fruitful, but we're just going to park here for one minute. I just want to unpack this process here because this is actually very helpful, okay? So, but we're going to go back into the how-tos in a minute. So, 
What am I talking about now? How can we identify what is the real part of our pain? Okay, I haven't even unpacked pain yet, but I just I need to put this in here. So I'm going to explain to you a process called peas and carrots. Peas and carrots is something that the Lord gave me. Um, for those of you who've already heard it, um, just bear with me. I'll, grow, I'll get through it very quickly. Now, peas and carrots, let me explain to you how it happened because you're all going to be able to um, identify or relate to peas and carrots. So one day there was a situation in my house where one of my children, who I will not name, one of my children was really triggered and really angry about something that my son had done. Oh, there you go, process of elimination. <laughs> Doesn't matter, you still don't know who it is. <laughs> so one of my children was super triggered. This was years ago. Super triggered. Like, I'm talking so angry, like vein-popping angry, okay? And she came up to me, and she was so angry that she couldn't even get the words out. She was like, and then he, and, like, and I was like, it was very confronting. And because I'm trying to be a better parent, and I've learned a lot about self-governance, and I decided to not do what I normally would do, I, you know, I slowed down the matrix, and I said, Holy Spirit, would you help me here? This is, there's a lot of pain in this, and there's like, and the more I had learned about the inner world, I'm like, this is, she's going to need ministry for this at some point in her world. And, and he said to me, he said, this is what I want you to do. And then he just gave, like, honestly, it was like a zip file, and he just broke it down into steps. I'm going to share those steps with you, Okay. Peas and carrots, and I'll explain the, the, the meaning in a minute. So she's like so angry, she couldn't even form, you know, sentences. And the Lord said to me, he goes, give her a piece of paper, send her to her room, and get her to write down everything that, is, everything that she wants to say. Everything, just get her to write it down on a piece of paper. So I sent her away, okay? So this is a piece of paper. When she came back... 20 minutes later, it was double-sided, and I said, now what? And he said, now you're going to read it back to her. He said, this is called double validation. Number one, the heart was given an opportunity to get down what it wanted to say, everything that was burdening. She couldn't get it all out because there was so much. It was like it was, there was a flooding happening inside. He said, get her to write it all down. Validation number one, it's been honoured, it's been acknowledged, it's been documented. And he said, read it back to her. That's a double validation. Okay? You will begin to advocate for the heart. Now, as I was reading what she had written, he said to me, and there's no, you, there's, this is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> he warned me. He goes, learn to hear the heart in what she's saying. As I, so I was reading it out loud. And as I got, you know, the, the, the first two or three, maybe four or five points were around what had actually happened that day, whatever it was that she triggered over. So I was reading through it. But as I got down toward the end of the page, it, it turned into other things. And, and now she's kind of going into, um, you know, uh, he doesn't get disciplined enough. Actually, she said he doesn't get smacked enough. That's what she said. He doesn't get smacked enough. He's your favorite. And then when I turned the page over again, it got a little bit deeper. And then it turned into, you know, why did you ever bring him home from the hospital? I didn't, I didn't get a say in this. Why, why did you bring him home that day? Then there were things of, you know, um, you're, yeah, you, 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 don't, you don't discipline him the way that you've disciplined us. So it, what I noticed, as I was reading it, I noticed, and this is what the Lord said to me, he goes, can you see where the flooding is coming from? 
So now we've moved away from what happened on that day. We've moved into something that happened now years ago, the fact that I gave birth to a human being and brought him home, right? So as I'm reading it out loud, I said, great, now what do you want me to do? What do I'm not allowed to judge. <laughs> what do you want me to do with this now? And he said to me, he, this is literally what he showed me. He said, I want you to get another piece of paper and I want you to divide it down the middle. Down the middle. There we go. He goes, I want you to divide it down the middle. And he goes, on one side of the, the page are the things, okay, that's a tick and that's a cross, right? On one side of the page is, this column is called things that are in her control, okay? And on this side of the page, things that are not in her control. And he said to me, I want you to go through the list with her and I want you to help her rightly divide of all of the points that she has put down, help her divide the things that are in her control and the things that are not in her control. So we did. So I went through it and, you know, the, the points, the, the lighter points that were up at the top were things like, you know, apart from what happened that actual day, you know, then the milder points went into, you know, he never returns anything in the condition that in which he borrows it. Or he walks into my room without knocking, right, before we got to the, the, the fact that he, she actually has a brother. Um, so I was able to, to, to list with her. I said, okay, well, first of all, you know, he triggers you because the way that he returns things are not in the condition that he borrows them. That's totally in your control. How he enters your room, totally in your control. The fact that he was born, not in your control. How I choose to parent, not in your control. Right? So can you, do you have an idea of what I'm doing here? Right? Now, but it's not until you get it down, which is called the vomit, hence the peas and carrots, okay? I got her to pour everything out of her heart onto a piece of paper so she knew what, well, I knew what she was dealing with. Right? So this is a process of dividing from the vomit on the page, dividing the peas and carrots. Okay? That's, that, that's this process. Now, the reason why this is a really good process is this, and this is what the Lord showed me. Anything on this side of the page, anything that is in our control, shows us where we are trading, abdicating, enabling, or we have lack of boundaries. That's what this side of the page shows us. Does anybody need me to repeat that? Is that all right? Yep. So anything on this side of the page shows us where we potentially could be trading, enabling toxic behaviour, where we have lack of boundaries, or where we're abdicating. Okay? Now, this is just what the Lord showed me. I'm not saying that your whole life is now reduced to this piece of paper. I'm just giving you a practical thing that you can do um, where, when, when, when there's a flooding of, of emotion, right? And anything on this side of the page, the things that, where we list that are outside of our control, shows us where, we are, where we've taken false responsibility and where there are hooks, illegitimate hooks. So whenever there's a trigger, all of them get pulled at the same time and subconsciously the heart knows that it's not empowered to shift all of it. So that's when we, we just go into like a full survival mode. Okay? So it's very empowering to understand what actually is in our control, what isn't, and remove those things which are not in our control. Remove those hooks. It's a process of guarding and protecting our hearts. It's a process of releasing. 
because she would never be able to come to it to, to some sort of resolve around something when the report, this is the report of her heart. Before we separated the peas and carrots, this was the testimony, this was the report of the heart. And so when he triggers her, like back then, when he triggered her, all of these hooks are being pulled. You see, he was born and he was brought home. What, what is she going to do with that information? She instantly feels powerless. But she's not aware of it because it's, sub, it's, it's in the subconscious realm. Okay? So this is the process of peas and carrots. I do it all the time for myself. I, 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 I teach on this. this is, it's, it's, I found this to be very fruitful. Now, another reason why... Uh, no, hold on. I'll hold on before I go. We're going to come back to peas and carrots in a minute. Is everyone Okay. I want to quickly move um, to a portion of scripture that we're all very familiar with. Uh, Psalm 147.3. So we're still talking about how to process pain. Okay. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I want to show you something here that may seem a little bit confronting at first, but it's actually very empowering because this reveals the Lord's heart. So he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You know, when I got to this part, I was like, oh, I don't know how confronting this is going to be. But then I remembered that Rachel was going to talk on the spawn of Satan. So I thought it can't be that bad. So <laughs> I'm sure it's less than that. <laughs> That's my disclaimer. <laughs> so, all right. So he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Now, I'm, I'm going to unpack that by, use, by using the key words because there is a difference between pain and wounding. There is a difference. So the word broken here in the, um, in the original Hebrew means when something is crushed, when, it, when it's been torn or there's a tearing, destroyed, right? So that's, that's pain. That's, that's, what, that's what's happened to the heart. The word heal obviously means to cure, to thoroughly make whole. So he thoroughly makes whole that, that parts of our inner world that has been crushed or torn or destroyed. This is, that's the, the, the brokenhearted is talking about the pain component. But then we move on. So the pain is in the brokenness, okay? Pain is in the brokenness. Let's move on to wound. Now... The word in the original Hebrew, the word for wound there can mean pain or a wound, but it also means idol. Okay? This is, this is the, um, if you, the, the first cab off the rank in the Strong's Concordance is idol. Now, the root word of that word idol means to fashion, to carve, and it means to rest. I'm just going to write it down because I've got a whiteboard here. It's W-R-E-S-T. Now, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's half of the word wrestle. Maybe that's what it means. It's actually not what it means. So the root word of the word wound, is this, it means rest. And the word rest means to change the interpretation of something in order to suit one's own interest. So that's what it means. Now, what I'm not saying here, please hear Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that wherever we've been wounded, we have created an idol out of it. I'm not saying that. I am saying that, there are t- that, that most, of our, um, most of our narratives, 
our, our value systems are formed, are impacted by the injustices that we have experienced and suffered. And if we're not able to rightly divide and bring those things before the Lord, it is we potentially can create an interpretation that suits our interest. Now, there are some injustices that I'm, I'm going to, there are some really heinous things that people experience, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit later. But going back to that scripture, can you put that back up, please, Marissa? Thank you. So the word wound there can mean idol. And the word bind there, whenever I used to read that scripture, I used to think that it meant he heals the brokenhearted and then he binds up the wounds with a bandage or something like that. that that's how I saw it. But the Lord showed me something when I was, when I was um, studying that out. He showed me that the word there, binds, means a couple of different things, but it also means to govern. It's funny because we're talking about self-governance, right? Now, remembering that this whole series, the, the very statement that is put on that slide, the whole point of the series was to show the mechanics of the inner world and how it works in conjunction with the legalities of the spirit world. This is one of those things, okay? So he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Binds means to govern and wounds can mean where we take information from something we've experienced and we create a value out of it that suits our own interests. So we're actually here. That's, a full, that's the full package. 147.3 is the full package. The Lord is in the business of being at the center of the pain. He, he causes the broken, destroyed and crushed things to be made whole. And through him, we have the ability to govern those things, to govern those value systems that seek to raise themselves up against the knowledge of him. So that's a very empowering principle there. I'm going to unpack it further. So just remembering that this whole thing, we have the conversation has to include not just the mechanics of the inner world, but also the legalities of the spirit world. So as I was studying this out, what I really felt, I said to you before that this was designed to reveal his heart. The wound is the toxic part of injustice that we suffer. The wounding is the toxic part that we harbour due to an injustice or suffering. It's the part that festers. It's a wound. This side is what produces the wounding, is what produces the toxicity and the, and the festering. It's this side that, that are the illegitimate burdens that we carry and we're not empowered to shift. It causes us to build in our own ways. We're not empowered to shift these things here, so we have to create values in order to make sense of them, in order to justify our own ways. And the, the, what makes this sad is that we never actually get to isolate what's real to our heart, what the actual injustice actually was, and we're not empowered to shift that. So this is a very simple exercise and a very quick exercise to help rightly divide this process. And it, it honours the heart. From the, the minute that you sit down and you take the time to, to document what's actually triggering, that everything that you're feeling in that moment, that's honouring the heart. I say this all the time in ministry sessions and, and, you know, even when I'm processing things myself. 
it, it's the Lord's desire. Now, these are very strong words. You know when the Lord says, um, you know, it was good? Like he, he only created the earth, the planet as we know it. It was good, right? So these are very, the, these words carry, um, carry currency in the spirit world, but we're just so familiar with these words that we, we trivialize them. But it is the Lord's desire. It is his priority. He, it, it's his plan to be in the center of the pain. That's where he chooses to be. He chooses to be in the center of what's real for our heart. The heart just took on things that it didn't know it didn't have to, right? It's his desire to be in the center of the pain. That's where he is. He is in the center of the injustice. Where he is not, he is not in the center of the narratives that we, we, we create. He is, he is not in the value systems that raise themselves up against the knowledge of who he is. He is in the center of the brokenness. So this is what compromises us and keeps us from addressing the actual pain. Because there's a difference between pain and wounding. Okay. I'm just going to run through some scriptures just very quickly. I just want to qualify the Lord's heart. Um, not that he needs it, but just because I've, I've taken the time to document them. So Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. He saves such as have a contrite spirit. He's near. He chooses to be. That's what draws him. It actually draws him. He's in the center of the pain. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, this one here, I enjoyed this one here the most because it says here, blessed are those who mourn. So he values the grieving process. The word mourn in the original Greek there means to process the feeling. Actually process the feeling, not just hold it as data, not just hold it as information, but to allow yourself to process the pain. Blessed are those who grieve, honour the heart by grieving and process the pain, for they will be comforted. And the word comforted there in the original Greek means to call near. It means to invite and invoke. So when we process the pain, it actually makes a demand on heaven. It actually brings and it invites the Lord into where he wants to be. And he's always right there. It's where we choose to allow him to come into. So if we, when we allow ourselves the process, sorry, when we allow ourselves to process the actual pain, our brokenness makes a demand on heaven. It allows the Lord to fulfill a role that he's paid dearly for. He is in the center of the pain. He chooses to be in the center of the pain but we have to know where to find him. He's in the center of the brokenness. He's not in the narrative and he's not in the toxicity of what our pain produces. He's not in the toxicity. He's not in the value systems that we, that we build in our own ways and in our own understanding. He's paid with his blood so we could have the word of our testimony. We're all familiar with that verse in... Um, 
in Revelation 12:11, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. The word they overcome means to subdue and conquer. It means to actually get the victory. But we can only overcome once we've actually processed the testimony that is true, that is real. The, the pain that we suffer from an injustice, that, that's, that's, that's actually happened. That is ours. We have a right to process that. What we don't have a right to process is any perceived injustice or any motivation and anything that's false responsibility. We're not, we're not empowered to process that. So the Lord is empowering words of testimony. He's empowering us by giving us the ability to overcome, to subdue and get the victory. The Ultimately, that's, that's going to be our standpoint. We get the victory. But we have to be prepared to rightly divide what actually is the true testimony and what is false. We can't overcome through an undefiled, sorry, we can't overcome through a defiled report. Okay? Because what that does is that invites scrutiny. All right. So can you give us an example, Christina? Yes, I can. I'm going to use something really basic. I'm not going to go into an example of an injustice. I'm just going to use the word injustice. So, for example, we suffer an injustice. Injustice looks like many different things. So we don't have to go to the extreme end of the spectrum. Injustice can be anything, right? So we suffer an injustice. And then we obviously and understandably, we want to be vindicated. It is normal. It is okay to want vindication. That is, it's our right to want vindication. But if we don't understand the difference between the pain and the wounding... We're going to create a value out of a... We're going to create an idea or an expectation of what vindication should look like. Why did you bring him home from the hospital? Okay? So we need to understand because these things potentially could be trading floors that we're stuck on. Hence the word idle. And from the injustice, if we can't rightly divide these things, we create a narrative. And the narrative begins to define our identity. And like I said before, we develop an expectation of what vindication should look like. So now, there's, it was no longer just about the injustice. We are now, it's our identity that's being traded on. And Romans 12, 19 makes it clear that only the Lord can decide what vindication looks like. Vengeance will be mine. Vengeance will, will be, but it is mine to decide how, what that actually looks like. I'm going to go, now again, remember, we're talking about how to process pain. We've gone over here. Now we're going to go over here for a little bit. There's a difference between forgiveness and healing. Now that might sound pretty, you know, straightforward, but um, I find that it still seems to be a bit of a misconception that people do get stuck on. So hopefully it helps today. There is a difference between forgiveness and healing. What do I mean? How many times, you know, in sessions or even for myself where I go, I'm so, I'm so sure that I've actually dealt with this before, but there's still levels of sting involved. The reason why is this. Forgiveness is a legal requirement that needs to be satisfied in the spirit, okay? Forgiveness is a legal requirement. It's the actual release or untethering ourselves from the injustice 
or the people involved. Injustices, injustice, is that English? Injustices? Injustices? Lots of injustice. <laughs> injustices are vindicated. They, they're judged. Okay, the Lord just said, vengeance will be mine. So I'll run through that again really quickly. Forgiveness is a legal requirement in the, according to the spirit world. It's the, the process of forgiveness. What it actually looks like if you dissected it is you are releasing and untethering your heart or yourself from an injustice. Because injustices are vindicated. They, they, judgment will land at some point on the injustice. And if we, rem, if we remain tethered to it through unforgiveness, then we partake of the judgment. Just like Lot's wife. She turned around and it says that she, he said, do not look back. He didn't say, don't turn your physical head to look back. He said, do not look back. In the original Hebrew, that means do not look on with, with favour and regard. Don't, don't hold in high regard. Don't value that which I have condemned. Her heart was still tethered to that and she partook of the judgment. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. Sometimes it is. I'm not going to make any, I don't want to draw any absolutes here, but usually forgiveness is a choice. We don't go according to the feels. And then healing, right? So these are all the, I've just listed all the things that forgiveness is, right? Forgiveness is this, this, is this, a legal requirement, blah, 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 blah. Healing is the process that addresses the trauma that has impacted the heart from the injustice. Two very different things. So we've been taught to forgive, forgive and forget. That's only addressing half of the issue. Forgiveness is the untethering from something that's external. Then the heart is actually left with the residue. The heart is left with the impact, with the pain. So there is a difference between forgiveness and healing. Now, I'm going to, I'm this going to, I've gone through this very quickly. This is very good. I'm going to land now, might be a bit of a longer landing, but I'm going to land on the how-tos. I'm going to run through a list of, um, I'm going to run through a list of things to do, things to consider, lots of different, the Lord is full of strategies. He's full of them. And I've just put together the ones that I have found, you know, the easiest to, um, to process and, and, and teach on and explain. And they're actually very fruitful. I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. And I think sometimes we look at the things that He's, you know, He's written in the Word. And these are instructions for life. And we become so familiar with them that we subconsciously disempower them. So this is all about how to process pain. We've talked about how to identify what is real in, in pain, that which is in your control to shift, because this is not, you are not empowered to shift any of this. We've talked about the difference between pain and wounding. We've talked about how the Lord is the full package. He will make whole that which is destroyed and crushed in us. And then He gives us, through that, we have the ability to govern, to strap down and govern the toxicity that we potentially can build and trade on from injustices. So number one, peas and carrots. Helps us identify what's real for our heart to process. 
Number two, decide to go there. In Psalm 36, 9, it says that in His light, we will see light. But that, that's showing us that first, we need to bring something out of obscurity into the light to see. In our light is a flooding of emotion. In our light, we, we are compromised. We need to bring it into His light. Number three, Allow Him to take the burden that is crushing us, also known as let your heart speak. You guys would have heard a lot about let the heart speak. Toz talked about it many, many times. But, you know, in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is a burden. The heart is not empowered to shift the testimony, the report that it's harbouring. It becomes a burden. It becomes a crushing weight. And then when there's a trigger, it produces a flooding. It produces a vicious cycle of being disempowered. When we give Him our burden, we're giving Him the very thing that crushes us, that crushes us with, with, with um, we don't have the ability to rightly divide because we don't carry the full counsel. Number four, sometimes we need to surrender our, oh, actually, we always have to surrender our rights to vindication our way. Hebrews 12, 24, the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. This does not trivialise or reduce the injustice. It is saying, let's take it from a trading floor where it, is, it compromises you and bring it up to heaven's trading floor. The blood of Jesus is the highest floor. Number five, don't vilify the heart. It's the heart that needs to be ministered to. Don't vilify the heart. What I'm saying in that is this. Sometimes we tend to have a very self-righteous or religious standpoint when it comes to sin or when it comes to things if we, where we've made poor decisions and we recognise that and we go, well, I, I see that is sin and I see that that is something not to be proud of. So we repent, we bring it before the Lord go, I, I repent, I repent, it's disgusting, I shouldn't have done it, I'm sorry, you know, um, you know, I repent. But if we're not addressing the motivation of the heart, all we're doing is vilifying it. All we're doing is saying, this is the God fence, the sin is on this side and God is on this side and I just want to be on God's side of the fence. And we condemn the heart. You can condemn your heart. But your heart is the one that's holding the report. I say to people, you know, so many times, whether in ministry sessions or even for myself, I've how many times I've had to, I just can't shake something. If there's something in your world where you really struggle with shame, like you really, really struggle with shame, most likely you have vilified the heart. And what that looks like is, yep, yeah, I know that's wrong. I know that the, that, that the Lord condemns that kind of thing, the sin, not you, the sin, Right? We know that that's not right. But we have to, it's the heart that we want to take through the healing process, not our minds, not us 20 years later. It's the heart. So sometimes we need to get to, we need to be okay with getting on this side of the fence and, and acknowledging it's okay that I wanted that at that time. 
because that's the truth. There's no point in denying it. There was a time when you actually acted on that, in, on that impulse or on that desire. There was a time that your heart wanted that. And part of the healing will require just acknowledging that and, and, and being okay with it. Because you can only process that which is real. Because when we don't and we jump on this side of the fence, the heart is left with the dirty secret that at the time I wanted it. And that's, that, that creates levels of concealment. And that's where shame begins to breed. Does that make sense? The Lord saw the motivation. The Lord knew what happened. So between you and Him, it's okay to say, Lord, at that time, I wanted it. And that's okay. We can only process that which is real. We can only take the heart through a process that which we give it room. We, we have to honour the process. So when I say don't vilify the heart, that's what I'm talking about. Number six, if the pain was self-inflicted through poor choices, agree with the accusation, which is kind of like what I just said, okay? But not everything is, is, is bound by shame. So that's why I wanted to separate the two. So that's a form of agreeing with the accusation. But sometimes we do things, we do, sometimes we do what we think is right, but there's a level of truth to the accusation. Agree, agree with the accusation. Don't allow the, don't allow the enemy to hijack the process through condemnation. Agree. Condemnation produces, produces shame. Shame causes us to conceal. I can't tell you how many times, um, for whatever reason, I had learnt in my life, especially from childhood through my teenage years, I had learnt to defend myself very quickly. I had to, I had to think very, very, very quickly. And for, for whatever reason, whether whatever the environment that I was in, whether it was right or wrong, I learned to justify myself because there were many times where I was falsely accused or I had suffered consequences that I should never have, you know, suffered. So we, I had built this, this protective mechanism where, you know, um, as soon as I, I, for whatever it was in my world, if, if I knew that I had done something wrong or there was a level of accusation and yeah, it's plausible, but I'd be like, but, but God, but you know, you know that I had to do this because of this and this. I was just stuck on a carousel. You get stuck on a carousel. It's not until I learned to completely go, yeah, but you know what? It doesn't matter. All of those things don't matter. Yeah, I did do it. Yep, for whatever reason, I did. It is the most liberating thing to do to cultivate before the Lord. Number seven. When the pain is super costly. So this is when I was talking about sometimes we suffer injustices that are just, you know, Christina, I don't want to hear your six-step program, right? You don't, you don't understand what this pain is. You don't understand what the cost has been. And, and, and that is totally legitimate. But this, this is what I, I, I feel to share around that. So when the pain for whatever injustice is super costly, it costs you everything to let go of. It costs you everything to process. It is then that I, this is what I have found for myself, it is then where it actually becomes a sacrifice. It becomes a sacrifice. The process of processing that pain feels like a sacrifice. 
Sacrifices feel like something. That's why it's called a sacrifice. So what I'm talking about here is when there is something in our world that is just so great. See it as you offering up that pain, disappointment, injustice, betrayal. You're offering up as a sacrifice to Him. Can you put up Isaiah 61.3? To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That portion of Scripture is full of promises of rewards, exchanges, exchange after exchange after exchange. But what I want to point out here is what the Lord showed me about ashes. Now, I'm not saying this is the only meaning of that, but this is something that He showed me. To get beauty from ashes looks like something. Ashes are the result of when something is completely consumed by the fire. So when we offer up something as a sacrifice to Him, a pain, an injustice, a time that really marked us, something that we just we don't we don't know how else to process it. When we offer it up as a sacrifice and we leave it on the altar to be completely consumed and reduced to ashes, that is when we get the exchange for beauty. Because if we keep taking it off because we, we don't trust the Lord with the process, we keep wanting to control what that vindication or what that process looks like, we end up with lumps of charcoal. We have to allow the Lord to completely consume it on the altar. I want to do something very similar to what I did last time. If you want to grab your communion, if you want to participate, I just want to lead you through a, a, um, a exchange, an exchange. And as you're just posturing yourself before the Lord, I just want you to give yourself permission to whatever was speaking to you the most through this, Whatever, if there was an injustice that came to mind, if there was something, if you could hear your heart, if you could feel a hook pulling on the heart, I would recommend you go with that one. If there is something that has been tormenting you, if there's been this here, this side of the page recycles the pain because it subconsciously it keeps reminding you that you are not empowered to shift a thing. So therefore, this becomes less and less processable. When we can't process the pain, it just continues to recycle. So I'm just going to, I'm going to jump straight in. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for everything that was spoken here today. We just thank you that you are in the business of totally healing to completely make whole that which is crushed or destroyed or torn. We thank you that you are in the business of completely making whole that which the enemy has preached through, that which we have been burdened by. We thank you that you choose, you delight, you take pleasure in, you prioritise to be in the centre of the pain. 
that you value the process which the heart goes through. We thank You that You draw near to the brokenhearted. We thank You that it makes a demand on heaven. We thank You that You are a loving Father. You're not a Father that loves. You are love. You are Father and You are a man of war. And we thank You that those things that we choose to process, You will vindicate. We thank You that nothing escapes You. So right now, as I'm, I'm, I'm going to facilitate this, but just as I'm speaking, just give yourself permission to bring in His light. You will see light, just like we did in week two. I'm going to facilitate something. Holy Spirit, we thank You for each and every person here. We thank You for whatever is being brought before You right now. We thank You that the injustice is laid bare. We thank You that You are fully aware of what it has cost the heart to lay the injustice before You. We thank You right now that the evidence speaks. We thank You that it doesn't say in the Word that the blood of Jesus completely dismisses the blood of Abel. It says it speaks of better things, that You have a plan, You have a purpose for that injustice. So I thank You right now that the evidence that lays before You, every sound, every seed, every frequency, every, every visual imprint, everything that has impacted the heart in relation to that injustice, I thank You that nothing escapes You. I thank You that You apprehend everything pertaining to that injustice right now. I thank You that nothing escapes You. And we thank You that You meant every word You've ever said. We thank You that Your Word says, Vengeance will be mine. We thank you that you said that you heal the brokenhearted. So, right now, as these injustices are released to you, we thank you that you are true to your word and that you are absorbing that which has weighed heavy on our hearts for so long. We thank you for the process. We thank you that you will give beauty for ashes, joy for mourning. We thank You that these things which have caused our hearts to become sick, that You will establish us as trees of righteousness, that, that we are fulfilled. We thank You for living waters right now. We thank You for the balm of the Holy Spirit to be applied to that part of our inner world. We thank You that there is fullness. We thank You that You heal unto completion. We thank You that the testimony is important to You. We thank You that You now become the gatekeeper. You now become the righteous breach between the injustice and the heart and that we are empowered to speak from a place of wholeness and freedom, empowered by the blood of the Lamb. We thank You that the promise is victory, that we subdue, we overcome, we get the victory, that You would share the victory. thank You for everything Your blood has paid for. We thank You for the witness in our hearts today for what You have shown us. 
Jesus' name. I don't have specific homework other than if you were aware of something that you weren't quite ready to process today, I would say over the next few days, just allow the Lord to speak into it. In His light, you will see light. What that looks like is if we would bring something out of obscurity and just hold it before Him and allow His light to reveal His heart. Because in this place, we're not contending with our filters. In His light, darkness doesn't get to speak. Lies don't get to speak. In His light, you will see light. It's a promise. That's unconditional. In His light, you will see light. Untainted, undefiled, you will see truth. You will see His heart revealed on the matter. So that would be my homework. If you weren't able to, um, to process that today, to just get used to this process of bringing it out in His light. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Well, that's the end of week four. Week four, yep, beautiful. Um, So next week we have Belinda, and I'm trying to remember what yours is called. Um, How to... How to feed from the tree of life in a world that exalts knowledge. All right, awesome. The meeting is now closed. If you're processing, please feel free to continue and we will see you on Tuesday night.